you're listening to the Padawan Perspective Podcast, a multi-generational Star Wars experience. Brought to you by the Star Wars Report 2nd Airborne Division Podcast Network. With your hosts, Mark, Barrett, Taylor, and Farrow. Join us as we discuss the Rebels TV show on Disney XD, as well as Star Wars fandom across the galaxy. On the Padawan Perspective, the multi-generational podcast of the Star Wars Report 2nd Airborne Podcast Division. Sweet. Welcome to the Padawan Perspective, your multi-generational podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Mark Herleman, and joining me today, we've got my daughter, Taylor Jade. Hello. And from our Southern Cali Jedi Enclave, we have Jedi Master Baron Lawton and his Padawan Pharaoh. It's good to be back. It's always good to be back. I said that every time. I we could say <laughs> well, something different this time if I you mean, like. Um, it's change is good. Yeah. <laughs> Don't rock the boat. No. <laughs> so how you guys been doing? You guys uh, have some Force Friday two action? Oh man, we did have some Force Friday action. You know, we weren't. I'm getting old, so we didn't go out at twelve o'clock, but we did go Friday. And what did we find on Friday? Nothing. <laughs> <laughs> We it's, went to the, first, the first Walmart had like absolutely nothing, and after that we went to we went to the Toys R Us. There we have two Toys R Uses that are right next to us. One is in a pretty good part of town. It's on one side of the valley, uh, Woodland Hills, and the other one is in North Hollywood, which is pretty ghetto. But never judge a Padawan by its cover because when you go into that store, it, do you remember the old school Toys R Us layout where they had the bikes? And the the power wheels and stuff were in the middle of the store. Yeah, yeah. Well, actually, I think ours is still set up that way. Oh, <laughs> really? <laughs> like I, I remember, I remember when I was a kid, it was like a warehouse where you walked in and the bikes and stuff were the first row, and it went all the way up to the ceiling, and it felt like you had to go around like three bends before you got into the rest of the store. That's like how old I remember it. Well, this is kind of like it's the old school setup where the the bikes are in the middle of the store, does go all the way up to the ceiling. And you have the power wheels and stuff right in the center of the store. So you can kind of and – and the aisles are a little bigger. So you can kind of like ride the bikes and kind of ride the skateboards in one or two aisles. The Toys R Us mostly that I've been to now aren't set up like that. They The bikes are in the back. Everything's in the back. This Toys R Us had all the posters and the T-shirts and, and everything there. Of course, none of the exclusive figures at Walmart or anything like that. But pretty much anything you wanted. So – we went ahead and uh, got Lando, my youngest Padawan, that land speeder that you can actually drive that we actually saw. What did we see that at? San Diego Comic-Con, right? And you can actually drive that thing. So I got it for him, and uh, he doesn't know how lucky he is yet. I want one. <laughs> they don't make it in your size, Dave. I know I wish. We didn't bother going down to the local Walmart. We only have a Super Walmart. We have a Fred Meyer's. And that's about it. We have no Target, no Toys R Us. We got to travel like 40 miles to that. And it was just almost a complete wash. I mean, they had no Hot Wheel toys out at all for the first two days. And when we showed up, we lucked out. They had one Hera. They had uh, one Master Luke and two Ray in training. And that was the three I was looking for. So I was like, bam, done. <laughs> 
Oh my god, I want a pork so bad. Okay, so there was this one little, like, it was like a bobblehead thing, and I'm like, what is that? And Dad's all like, that's a pork. And the bobblehead, it doesn't look, like, it doesn't look as cute as the stuffed animal he showed me, like, three weeks ago. But, oh my gosh, porks are so cute. <laughs> What's a porg? <laughs> What's a porg? Oh, bless your heart. That shows you how much we found at Walmart and Target, because they had nothing. And, in fact, Target was giving out these huge jumbo plush porgs. Did you, were you able to win one, or were you able to know anybody who won one of those? Did you see anybody walk out of the store with one of those? Wait, are, are those the bird things? Yes, oh. the penguin bird things. <laughs> oh my god. Yeah, we, we didn't see anything like that. That was one of the, the interesting things. I've decided after this, I'm definitely going to go to the Target. I'm going to travel the 40 miles, and we're going to do it there. Because Target and Toys R Us seem to be the two of the, the main franchise stores that really know what they're doing when it comes to that Force Friday action. They do, and Walmart, though, has the exclusive, so that's that's the sad thing, is they have the Black Series exclusive, so if they don't put anything together, and they're not putting anything on their shelves, you can't get those anywhere else besides eBay, and we all know how the scalpers are on eBay. They're not very nice to the Padawans. Yeah, I, I had to go back, and I got the uh, centerpiece Darth Vader for the Black Series, the one where it's him coming through the Tantive Fours hallway there, and it's it lights up. Oh, it looks glorious. But see, I don't have any of them because I didn't have enough money to dump all at once, and luckily Walmart did layaway, so it's all sitting on layaway waiting for me to get around to it. <laughs> That's another good thing about Toys R Us as well, is Toys R Us has layaway, and they have a 12-month layaway. You can put anything you want on layaway there, and so that's a good a good thing for the Jedi Masters out there when you're balling on a budget with your powder wands there. Speaking of budgets... So another thing this summer that I've been doing... I have been trying to raise money for my dance studio. We have been selected to perform at Disneyland this coming spring break. So I decided to create a GoFundMe. It's called Reaching for the Stars, and the link will be down in the show notes. Thank you. (laughs) Sorry. All right. Yeah, we've been hearing a little bit about this. So your dance group got chosen. You're going to come here down to Anaheim our neck yeah. of the woods you're gonna dance with your dance troupe so listeners yes. out there we're gonna put the gofundme on our official website on our facebook page and on our twitter account and we're gonna try to get our padawans to make that instagram account to show off all the collectibles that we get since it's gonna be hitting us now until christmas hit those links and you get all the information where you can hit that gofundme page for our padawan tay so we can get her out here Get her dancing. Yeah. Ooh, Pharaoh and I will take most likely take care of the Instagram. There. I'll, I, 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 I'll, I'll take you down with me, Pharaoh. <laughs> uh, okay. So now we now we know now we know why our Instagram account hasn't got up and going. Okay. Now now everyone else knows as well. Uh, so why don't we just uh, with that move into our kid tro Taylor? Why don't you take the kid tro and run with it? Legacy of Mandalore is the 16th episode of the animated television series Star Wars Rebels' third season. It aired on February 18, 2017 on Disney XD. The official description of the episode reads, Sabine brings the Darksaber to her mother, hoping to recruit Clan Wren to the rebel cause and unite Mandalore. Or as Cable has it, hoping to enlist her family to help the rebels, Sabine returns to her home world with Kanan and Ezra, but soon finds herself embroiled in her family's power and struggle for Mandalore. We usually ask the Padawans a question, and this week, the question is, what is significant about the title Mandalore? Does it have a meaning to them, or is it just their people? I mean, it's it's the I've, species that owns the Darksaber, though. That's important. 
Mandalore for them is like kind of their, it means like their home. I'm on the same boat with Vera. I am not quite sure how to answer this one. It's kind of a trick question. So the title Mandalore is more like Emperor. Okay, so they use the word Mandalore as Emperor. What you're thinking of, Taylor and, and Pharaoh, is, you know, yeah, Mandalorians, they live on the planet Mandalore. Uh, hence, they go by Mandalorians. But the king, basically, or the ruler, they call him or her Mandalore. It's also a title. And so the significance about the title is whoever that one person is, the rest of the Mandalorians look to for leadership. And at this point in the timeline, there is no Mandalore. You know, we've seen you know different people try to be Mandalore. Vizsla has been the Mandalore or pushed towards it. Maul tried to be the Mandalore at one point. But right now, it's kind of like, you know, maybe, maybe Sabine's going to be the new Mandalore. Is the Mandalore chosen by the people? Or does the Mandalore decide, I'm going to be Mandalore and just start trying to take things over and just keeps winning? I know. The I would think it's got to be a little bit of both, right? I mean, I mean, if you declare yourself Mandalore, you've got to prove it. I mean, clearly, like, there's a line in the episode where Sabine's mom's like, "Well, if you didn't defeat Maul for that, you have no claim to it." So there is a lot of that type of trial. So I would think, like, if if you're Mandalorian enough to call yourself Mandalore, you better be ready to bring it because they're going to challenge you. You know what I find interesting about these Mandalorians is. They look nothing like Boba Fett. So what did you guys think of the planet? This was a snowy planet called Atan? Cronest. Cronest? That's not what they said Isn't in this- the... <laughs> How did you get that from... <laughs> oh, that was Cronest. 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 Okay. Cronest. Okay. So they go to this planet Cronest, which is a different planet than what we've seen before, and it's a, a snowy planet. And it's not Mandalore. I was kind of expecting that they were going to go to Mandalore, right? So what would you guys think of this snowy planet here? I thought it was kind of a cool way to kind of introduce these prototype Boba Fetts now. All the all the Mandalores with the white armor, white and gold mm-hmm. for Sabine for the Ren clan and just kind of all white for Gar Saxon's clan. Yeah, I like the fact that it, it, it provides a ruggedness. I mean, you know, they've been there for a while. Uh, and some of the, you know, the protectors and stuff, they went to Concord Dawn. So you've got this faction that's sitting up here. You've got the cold and stuff. You got the barren. I mean, they're rugged people. They're used to a rugged life and they're eking it out. I mean, think about of the 50 states that we have, you know, aside from Texas, where everything's bigger in Texas, you go to Alaska and those are some hardcore people. I mean, they know how to live off of. Yeah, exactly. Nothing. While there's forests and there is some life and stuff going on here, the fact is we don't see very many snowy places, even though there are snowy places in the Star Wars universe. Aside from the worst of the worst, we don't see that many. There's not really much happened, right? The first 75% of this episode, like it was kind of boring. Yeah, it was, it was a definitely a more slow-paced episode. There wasn't much going on. Like, the first half, it was just them, mostly Sabine, talking to her mother and to her family and how they all think she's a traitor. Meeting Sabine's mother should have been some sort of, you know, was it Satine? And it took until till Kanan and Ezra got their lightsabers taken away and stuff, and then there was a huge fight and everything like that between both of the clans and everything. To, to actually get some action. I like the fact that we saw Sabine use Mandoa. I mean, I don't know if it's exactly the same type of Mandoa, which is the Mandalorian language that Karen Travis had created when she was writing her novels, uh, but it definitely had the same sound and cadence of it. It was kind of cool to have that show back up. The way Sabine spoke it was like really, I don't know, it just sounded ungenuine, you know? 
It sounded similar to what Karen Travis did, but I must have not been pronouncing any of Karen Travis's words correctly if this is what Sabine's sounds like when she's saying it. Sabine's mom, like, made it seem at first that she was whole, like, she wanted Sabine to go or she didn't. So I was just really confused on that. No, the way it was, she did want her to go, but she put on the face that she was angry so the Empire wouldn't Mm. suspect. So because she was free of the Empire's embrace, her mom was actually happy. Oh, She made it seem like she hated Mandalore and she never wanted to go there or anything like that. She didn't want anything to do with Mandalore. She didn't want anything to do with her family. She didn't want anything to do with the Darksaber. By the end of the episode she was just all like, oh, I'm going to stay and try to find the new leader. Well, so, okay, the point of that is the whole premise of the ghost ship is a family. And that's become Sabine's family. She has been disowned from her family. So she's she's hesitant to go back because of that being disowned and walking away, turning and walking away. And then we find out the fact that she was personally responsible for a lot of Mandalorians dying with her weapon. So she's got that added shame. Okay. It's Hera, the mom of the group, that tells Sabine, hey, look, the rebellion's in a bad way. The only way we're really going to be able to survive is if we get the Mandalorians to help us. We need you to go and help unite the Mandalorians now that you have this dark saber. That's Wait. it's got significant for them. So Hera has asked her to do this, and by going back to the planet and seeing her mom and learning from her mom that her mom was actually happy that yeah. she got off, found out that her dad is being held hostage. Now she's chosen. You know what? The only way I can help my family is to help my real family, uh-huh. and so she is staying behind to reunite and to give the Mandalorians a leader. She chooses that it, she doesn't think it should be her, but she thinks that she needs to be there to help them pick the person because they need to throw in with the rebellion. Ooh. See, that makes a lot more sense. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Did you get that, Pharaoh? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Another character that shows up in, in this episode that we haven't seen in a while is Gar Saxon. And he shows up as a hologram at first whenever Sabine's mother calls him again. Sabine's mother tells him that she has the Darksaber from Sabine. And then a couple scenes later, he comes in and just, like, crashes the party. But do you notice what they called him when Sabine's mother is talking to him, the hologram? Do you remember what his title is now? Emperor's Hand. Ooh. So that means that he gets a lot more power. Emperor's Hand, I'm thinking Game of Thrones, the King's Hand... Sounds like someone who does not have to answer to anyone, and word his word is bond. You know what he says is the emperor's word. So Gar Saxon has really come along from the Clone Wars, from being the person to being Darth Maul's right hand man to helping Darth Maul escape, and now he is the emperor's right hand man. This guy is not to be trifled with. Yeah, the Rebels have once again brought another EU element. I mean, first we had the Inquisitors. Now we've got Emperor's Hands. I mean, that's a concept. Mara Jade, uh, who later became Mara Jade Skywalker, she was an Emperor's Hand. There were a few people out there that the Emperor trusted enough to do. Basically, they were the non-Sith equivalent of Darth Vader. You know, they had the Emperor's trust, they had the Emperor's faith, and they did the Emperor's bidding. Uh, and, and in fact, in Legends, it was one of the Emperor's hand, I believe his name was Azrael, uh, that came to Endor and basically let his own body be possessed by the spirit of, the spirit of Palpatine. And then in that body, Palpatine traveled back to the center of the galaxy and created the clones that he eventually brought Luke and, and succumbed Luke to the dark side. I mean, the fact that they brought in 
a title from the old empire that had such significance and, and it was brought in such a callous and, and throwaway line. Like, like if you blinked, you'd almost miss it the way he passes it off. I'm like, wait, whoa, wait, did he just say emperors? I had to rewind. I was like, whoa, they brought that in. I wasn't expecting that. And he's wearing red. I believe in the EU, the emperor's hands were red too, right? Or doesn't well, Mary Jade, Mara Jade was red. She had red hair, but I think that color red has something to do with the emperor's hand. Yeah, some of them did. I believe Asriel's armor was a red armor. I mean, the, the Palpatine's guards tended to all go red after he ended up uh, getting rid of the Senate. Those were Gavin's favorite toys. <laughs> <laughs> One of the things I liked about Gar Saxon was the battle between him and Sabine. Yeah, he's he's definitely a great villain. You know, and that was one of the notes I put down is that we need more villains like him in general. Like there was something nominorish about this guy. Like, you know, he's like the, the villain of this season kind of thing, even though he wasn't really prominent for the whole season. There was just something about him that just ooze evil. And when he goes at it with Sabine, you're just like, oh, my God, dude, this is going to be great because he's got the dark saber. And then Ezra tosses Sabine his green saber. You're like, oh, oh, the training. Everything has led to this moment. I don't know about you, Baron, but I was beside myself. You know, you mentioned on the last podcast, we were talking about Sabine and maybe her being force sensitive with the Bendu noticing her. Now, Ezra, first of all, Ezra's lightsaber is kick ass. Okay. Besides him, Luke, and Yoda, who else has a green lightsaber? I still remember... And Ahsoka. Yes, you're right. And yeah. Ahsoka. Ah! <laughs> Although hers now are gray, but she did start yeah. off with the green. And there's something about that green-bladed lightsaber that when I was a kid, when Luke Skywalker, you know, R2-D2 threw Luke Skywalker his lightsaber on, on Jabba's sail barge, and he ignited it for the first time, and it was the first time we saw that green lightsaber, because up to that point, we only saw red and blue. That green blade means something, and it's special. When he throws it to Sabine, and she lights it up, the music starts going. I started getting chills. I even grabbed Pharaoh, and I was like, the music, listen, oh my god! And it's like, dun 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 she starts fighting like a Jedi. It was great. I mean, and then you see the Mandalorians and they're all using their, their jetpacks and they're floating backwards and shooting and they're using flamethrowers and shields. And it was, it was like, what a great battle. I mean, come on now. How could you not like this battle? Well, and you've got lightsabers on top of ice. I mean, you're just like, oh, one bad move away, one swing away, and someone's going through the ice. But the fact that we have the moment where Sabine overpowers him or outmaneuvers him, and she's got him, he's down on his knees, she's got the two lightsabers pulling. Basically, it's mirroring Anakin Skywalker when he's about to kill Dooku. That moment's everything for her. Like, she could choose to kill him or she chooses to sa save him. She doesn't do it. And I think there was probably about 12 seconds, or which was probably two seconds, but it felt like 12 seconds when she started to walk away and, and Saxon stands up and he's got that gun and you hear the blaster bolt. I thought we, we just watched Sabine die. I, yeah, I, I was, I was, tears were flowing. Yeah. Oh my, my daughter God. was teasing. <laughs> I was like, this isn't funny. Uh, and then we see that it was her mom. I mean, you know, we talk about how slow the beginning was, but that was a awesome moment. That moment had me beside myself. Just not just with grief, but with just sheer excitement and exhilaration. When you say her mom, you make it sound like Gar Saxon shot her mom. No, her mom shot Sar Gaxton. God, I can't say it. Gar Saxon. Yeah. My favorite part of the battle was right at the end when it was about to end before uh, his mother shot Gar Saxon. My favorite part of the episode was right at the end of the battle when Sabine, like, smacked the lightsaber out of his hand and, and twisted it over and then had an X pattern right on his neck in a... 
that was just really cool. And then she like unignited it to show you know that she wasn't gonna kill him. And uh, let me ask you: Did you think that she used the force in any way to grab that lightsaber, or did it fall in her hand? It looked like she used the force to me. I didn't even notice that. It was so smooth. Yeah, same. I didn't notice that either. Question. What do you think the weapon that Sabine made was? I was questioning myself on that too. It had to be explosives. It had to be something of mass destruction because that's what she deals with. She deals with explosives. So I don't think it had to do with like like poisoning or gas or lasers or anything. When Sabine sees an explosive... She gets very excited, so I, I it had probably was something to do with mass destruction. Or wonder maybe if explosives were part of it, but she dealt with biological explosives and has then since ditched it. Because there's a part of me that's like, okay, if it was really bad, you'd think like she would would stop doing the practice, right? Or if it was something bad, she would have went and tried to get it. I, I hope they tell us. Either way, I I mean, it was one of those really low moments when you found out that she was the one that designed it, whatever it was. But I kind of wish they would have told us more. It's kind of like Jin Erso's dad. That's what it reminded me of. Well, Well, yeah, but they can't go too far there because that's exactly what Galen was. I mean, they can't say she did it because they didn't tie her into any of the books. She has to be part of a different thing. What is it? Rogue One had the different weapons and one of them was Darksaber or something like that. If she did do that, which we know she did create something, she is not paid for it yet. Galen paid for it with his life. That's what happens in stories. So she has not paid for it. So they're setting it up that she has to pay for that somehow. Oh, dude, Dude. that would make her the martyr that brings Mandalore fully into the fold. And when any Mandalore's jetpack gets damaged, they die. She got her jetpack damaged. When we saw Boba Fett's jetpack get damaged, he fell into the Sarlacc pit. When we saw Jango Fett's jetpack get damaged, he got his head chopped off. Yeah. She got her jetpack damaged in this episode. That oh. is a forewarning for Mandalorians. I swear, if she ends up dying, I know somebody who will be so stinking upset. It will just dis- not so much destroy her, but she will be so heartbroken. My little sister Gina, she that's literally who she wants to be for this Halloween. She's all <laughs> like, I want to get my hair cut like hers. I don't want to get it dyed like hers. I don't know if I want a boy's haircut, but Sabine's a girl. And she's all like, oh. I want to be Sabine. Oh my gosh, if Sabine dies, she's going to be heartbroken. That's always who she wants to be when we're playing Disney Infinity. <laughs> that's, <laughs> that's her role model, basically. Mentioning Ezra having the green saber, and he and Sabine are definitely two of the characters that I want to see make it out of this. But I could see Sabine falling behind. It's Ezra, I think, in the long run that... I think Disney and Lucasfilm in general, they would be dropping the ball to have that character die. There's still a part of me that's hoping he's the DJ character that we see in The Last Jedi. Because you think about, you know, the Legends angle, the the different dark Jedi and rogue Jedi and former Jedi that Luke came across when he was trying to build the temple. You know, I mean, they were the ones that were crucial and critical to his success. You know, they were the ones that told him where to look for more information and, and told him, you know, hey, these things are the ones that have been corrupted by Palpatine. And, you know, you think about everything that, Kanan is passed on to Ezra, you know, so Ezra's in this unique position of being trained by a Jedi, living in the same era that the Jedi were alive and stuff, and yet he's a lot closer to Luke, except for he's had a lot more formal training than Luke had under Ben. He's almost like the Cam Salazar or Solsar of the new canon. Who's DJ? 
DJ is the new character that Benicio del Toro is playing, and they're just calling him DJ. And apparently, he is like some big dude at the Canto Bite, the Star Wars casino. For me, I think that's like the biggest shame was would be to have all this great stuff, and then not have any of the characters pull through. Like, you know, we had with the Clone Wars, we had Ahsoka, and we had Maul pull through into this series. You know, we had Rex pull through into this series. Uh, you know, it would just. I want to see somebody. And I have a feeling in the end it's going to be Hera. I think Hera is going to be the only survivor. I really fear it. I mean, we know that the Lego uh, Freemaker stuff is like a quasi-canon, that everything in there has a canon counterpart. And we've seen Hera surviving into the Return of the Jedi era. So we know she survived. Ah, you know, you think about that that one trailer that they have for season four where she's talking about this is a story. And I'm just like, uh, uh, I, I mean, I could see Sabine. I just don't want to see everyone else. <laughs> so maybe Chopper survives too. Speaking of Chopper, he's back to his old foul mouth ways. I that's that's what I was going to bring up. Go ahead. All right. So <laughs> right at the end, when they're like, "Let's go," Sabine. And Sabine was like, "I'm going to stay here." The camera pans over to Chopper, and what does Chopper say? Chopper, they were like, "You're going to." St- uh, Ezra says, "You're going to stay here." I swear. Can we play the clip? Can we play the clip? I don't know if we can pull the clip up. Maybe I can try to pull the clip in. Okay, okay. Uh, Farrell found the clip. Okay, <laughs> hold on. He's going to play it for you. Wait, you're not coming with us? <laughs> I'm done. <laughs> rewind it, rewind it. Do it one more time, one more time. Okay, hold on. It does say that. Oh, my God. Oh, God. Wait, you're not coming with us? <laughs> <laughs> If never, he is not never, saying that, I don't know what he's saying. <laughs> Unless he's saying, what, what? But it's not, what, what? It's stop. Like, who's doing the sounds for Chopper? And if they're trying to do that, because I saw Filoni was one of the voices of the Mandalorian Warriors. And it just made me think, you know, who's who's doing Chopper here? I don't know. Talking? It's some foul mouthed uh, <laughs> it clown, probably. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so Padawans, let's wrap this up. What is your overall view of this Legacy of Mandalore episode? My rating just went a lot higher because of Chopper at the end. No, I'm just <laughs> Same. All right, um, I thought I thought it was a solid episode. It it was balanced out because it had an intense fight scene at the end, but the beginning was kind of slower, and I felt like overall it came together as a pretty good, solid episode. It didn't feel see, like filler. See, for me, I was happy because we got to like know more about Sabine and everybody. But like you said, the beginning stunk basically until it got to the fighting parts. But other than that, with the chopper part and everything, that brought it up even higher. <laughs> but overall, I feel like this was a pretty good episode. What about you guys? You know, I have to agree with both of the Padawans here, Mark, is that it dragged in the beginning. And I have to believe that it's because we are going to see a lot more. We saw in the preview for next season that's coming up, season four, that we're going to see a lot more of the Mandalorians. We're going to see a lot more of Sabine in battle. I think they wanted to give us just enough, just a taste, without giving us too much. And I think that's why it kind of dragged on in the front. I do agree it was not a filler episode. She did bring the light, the Darksaber back to her clan. She is uniting her clan. It looks like she will unite Mandalore against a common foe. She has taken out the Emperor's or the Empire's influence for Mandalore. So the next step is what? Get her dad out? We'll see what happens to Sabine. We'll see what happens to our heroine. But all in all, solid episode. 
great fight scenes at the end. That's what basically saved it. Is had a bunch of Mandalorians fighting. I mean, we love it. Bunch of who wasn't who doesn't like a bunch of proto Boba Fett's out there fighting each other. I mean, come on, that was the winner all the way around. I can't wait until next week's episode. So one to ten, we forgot to give them your ratings, Padawan. So my rating one to ten, I give this a, a solid seven. Out of ten, I'd probably yeah yeah seven. It was it was a yeah it was a good episode, solid episode. <laughs> I think this was like a six or a seven. It was a pretty good episode. You guys are right about it being slow at the beginning, but I think when I watched these, it was back to back with Trials of the Dark Saber, and I feel like you know you were supposed to watch these two together, so it didn't feel like it was so slow because you were coming off the heels off the other one, which felt so action packed with all the lightsaber training and everything. There was something Ezra said that just really resonated with me, and he goes, you know, he's talking. He goes, Sabine said your people were the true Mandalorians. Clone Wars first came out, and they went to Mandalore under George Lucas. It was a huge wrench in what the Mandalorians were to Star Wars fans. Because we were like, wait, they're not the basic, they're not Klingons? They're Vulcans? What? Uh, So, you know, they've come a long way to coming back to that warrior culture that we originally knew them from. And to hear that being thrown around, because that was something that Karen Travis had wrote into her books, uh, where Cal Scarada saw his group of Mandalorians as the true Mandalorians. And to have a group being represented in canon as the true Mandalorians, even though it's only to themselves, I I think that's kind of cool. And the fact that we're finally able to see the Mandalorian culture again. I mean, I have always felt like we had the Jedi, we had the Sith, and we had the Mandalorians. And they were always the three big powers in whatever era, except for the Empire era. Uh, You know, when the Imperials came to power, the Mandalorians were gone. And this could be why there are no more Mandalorians. I mean, you know, we're watching them kind of come back from the verge of being wiped out from a, basically the Vulcan society of pacifists. You know, now they're going back to their warrior roots. What better place to be for Palpatine to grind them completely out? If we're going to go a dark turn in season four, watching the Mandalorians get wiped out in the name of the rebellion, that could be one heck of a way to do it. For me, I'd say this one's probably a 7 out of 10 just for that alone in the battle that we have with Sabine and Gax and Sar Gaxon. God, I can't say it. Gar Saxon. <laughs> you know, the one, the last thing I want to say about this episode and just about the series in general is that when Filoni makes a decision and he seems that it's not quite right, he has no qualms fixing it. Like you said, the Mandalorians be pacifists or whatever. Now, you know, he's kind of fixing that. We don't hear anything more about Mandalorians being pacifists anymore, you know, since the Clone Wars. He came in and fixed that. All the way to to Kanan with the soul patch. You know, he fixed it. He gave him a beard and made him blind. You know what I mean? So he will fix things. When when he 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 sees that they need to be fixed, you know he'll change he'll change hairdos he'll he'll change out the he'll crash the ghost and give us a, a new a new ghost from the Clone Wars eras. He'll do things, you know, to keep the path the trajectory, you know, changing and going up. And I really appreciate that with Filoni, and I think that's one of the things that go under the radar with him. And I just want to give him props for this, you know, uh, for this episode. So that wraps up this episode of the Padawan's Perspective. We'd like to thank everyone who joined us today for coming in and giving us a listen. You can find our episodes directly on the Star Wars Report website, Second Airborne Division, at www.starwarsreport.com. Hey, before we go, we want to mention Audible. Uh, we've got a quick Audible trial. If you go to www.audibletrial.com slash Report, you get a free trial 
run of audible.com to see what they're all about. Audible, they have more than 100,000 titles for you to explore. Titles from the Star Wars Expanded Universe or any other genre, all without risk of being stuck with a book you flat out hate because any Audible member can exchange any book within 12 months. That's one year with no questions asked. So in this digital age, if you're thinking of making that switch from the page to the audiobook, Audible just might be right for you. So for the Padawan's perspective, this has been Mark, Tay, Barrett, and Pharaoh. And with that, so until next time, I'm sure everything will go horribly wrong. <laughs> Thank you for listening to our show. For more content, please like our Facebook and Twitter pages. Theme song by Subconscious Tunes. Announcements by Brock. Sponsored by War Machine Marketing. Remember, you can find the Padawan Perspective and all the Star Wars Report Second Airborne Podcasts at www.starwarsreport.com. I don't know, Pharaoh. Pharaoh, how well how how well do you write in it? Have you had a chance to test it out yet? Or no, we don't. We don't even have it yet. We just bought it, and it's going to be shipped to us, right? <laughs> no, no, we have it. It's in the garage. See, oh. he doesn't even know. He doesn't even know. No, it's in the garage. Dad's oh. been driving it around. <laughs> <laughs> so, so it sounds like for the most part, yours was like ours because.